Amen. Let's be seated together. Welcome. Good morning. Great to rejoice with you. I'm going to ask you to open your Bible with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. The book of Hebrews is toward the end of the New Testament. And in chapter 10, we're going to read beginning there and go on over into verse 11. It is a popular myth in our time to believe that faith in the West, in particular, or in the world, is in decline. In point of fact, religious faith is on the rise. And a great number of people are coming to Christ in many, many places, including numerous atheists, some of whom were widely outspoken popular atheists. I mentioned one of those testimonies to you a couple of years ago. And this is having an impact in a variety of circles. Now, I, I know when, when you think of, of me on occasion, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, he's an expert on rap music. And um, no, that's never occurred to you, has it? That's never come up. But I have come across uh, a rapper named Zuby. Uh, Zuby is British. He's actually an Oxford graduate. He has 1.1 million followers, which is, you know, just close to my number. But um, he recently posted on Twitter, I don't think I've ever said this publicly and directly, but I think the West is absolutely screwed if it loses Christianity. Explaining this in full would require an entire book. But I've thought about it a lot over the years, and I've reached this conclusion. It's like removing the foundations of a building, but pridefully expecting it to remain standing forever. To use a metaphor, Christianity is our immune system, and the presence of Christians creates a kind of immunity that benefits and protects even the non-Christians. You can't just have a cultural and moral vacuum. It goes against the laws of nature. This is from an unbeliever. And he was responded to on Twitter by no less than Elon Musk, who wrote, I think you're right. These conversations are happening everywhere among people who would not previously shown the slightest interest in belief and who would have, in some cases, ridiculed and mocked it. Friends, faith is foundational, not just to the civilization, but to our lives. But what does it mean to have faith? What exactly is faith? And why is it so central to being a follower of Jesus? And is the faith that we claim to possess an enduring faith? Or is it one that is only sustainable when things are good, when things are going well? Do you have a faith that can outlast trials and sorrows and sins and death and failure and maybe even persecution? What does it mean to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's read Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read about some people who were under pressure. This letter is being written to followers of Jesus who have suffered persecution. Their leaders have been killed. Many of them have been put in prison. Their homes have been seized. 
And they were beginning to wonder whether or not the promise of Jesus' return was real. They were beginning to wonder whether or not this faith they had was something that would carry them through the troubles and the sorrows. Verse 32, chapter 10. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. You had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. You have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. How many of you are looking forward to that day? When the coming one will come. But it's not today. It could be a while. So how do we live until the day? Yet a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay, but right now, my righteous one shall live by faith. In other words, faith isn't something that you have just over here at the beginning point of your Christian life. Faith is something that sustains your life all the way to the end. My righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. He's quoting the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. But we are, we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are those who have faith to preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was Commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him by faith, Noah. Being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham 
obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going by faith. He went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. And therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. And these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak like that make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they'd been thinking about the land from which they'd gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. This is the word of the Lord. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, please open our hearts as we open your word and teach us by your spirit, we pray. Amen. If you're under the age of 25 or 30, let me tell you one of the best things in the world you can do. Go find somebody who's 85 and sit down with them and buy them a cup of coffee or something stronger. <laughs> and then say, tell me the story of your faith. We're gonna learn together as we walk through Hebrews 11 over the next few months, the stories of faith. And all around are stories of faith all over this room. Many of you have great stories of faith. They're rooted in the faithfulness of God. And all around us are people who have endured great things and yet their faith is intact. My mother-in-law, Thule Fillion, sitting over here at the young age of 92, saw, 91, I'm counting on 92. <laughs> and uh, there's just no end to the celebrations. She saw her country overtaken by atheism, by Marxists, by revolutionaries. She saw her family imprisoned and tortured and kicked out of their, their country. She saw all of that. She saw a child through addiction. She saw her family suffer. How's your faith doing, Grandmama? Amen. Hallelujah. She prayed, she prayed her kids into the kingdom. She prays over her grand. She prays, we leave her alone. I bring her coffee and just back out of that holy of holies because she is in there praying and she prays over children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren creating this remarkable covering, air cover for their lives because she's learned to trust in God. 
What does it mean to have faith? Well, faith, as it's used in the Bible, is first of all, objective content. It's the doctrine, the practices that we embrace as the truth about ourselves and about the universe, about God, about where everything is headed and why. But it's also a subjective rest and an active trust in God. Objective content, subjective trust. In the first, we say, this is what I believe to be true. And you could summarize that, you know, in words like the apostle, from the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, or I believe that Jesus is Lord, and so on. But in the second, faith says, this God is my God. Not just the God I know is there, but the God I know. The God I trust. This is the God who is my God. And it is this second sense of trust and rest, this relational dimension, this quality of faith that is at stake right here in the book of Hebrews for people who were under pressure to abandon their faith and walk away. No, he says, even in the midst of terrible pressure, remember, remember, God is with you. You can depend on him. The coming one will come and will not delay. But until he comes, you have to learn to live by faith. And sorrows and pain and trials and temptation will be the lot of our lives at various times. What do we do in those times of sorrow? I know people who, when they're faced with a disappointment, consider giving up their Christianity because they think that believing in God is something which is related to only this life, as if Jesus is some kind of good luck charm that you rub, and he will get you a better job or a better spouse if you don't like the one you've got now. But that's not how it works. A better car. And somehow when it doesn't happen, we think, oh, God's abandoned me. He's let me go. These people, their pastors were killed. Others were put in prison. Their homes were taken away. I know people who think they were being persecuted if their tax deduction on their giving was removed. Job lost everything. He lost his home. He lost his family. He had friends ooh, who came to see him. And here's Job covered in disease and dust. And they said, Job, what'd you do, man? What'd you do? Because they believed in karma, not God. What'd you do, Job, to deserve all this? Job's like, I don't know. I don't know why all this stuff is happening. His wife said to him, just curse God and die. That, that was helpful. What did Job say? Job, in the midst of his loss and his pain and his suffering, looked up to heaven and said these words, though he kill me, I will trust him. Trust in God? What, I, what is that? How do we do that? Oh, many of you have been 
raised in the objective truth, and thank God for that. I was too. I was born on a Sunday morning at 8.30, just in time for the early service. And a week later, my, my parents, they didn't ask me if I wanted to go to church. They picked me up and carried me to church, and they poured, how about this for welcoming people? They poured water on my head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I never knew a Sunday growing up where there was any question about where we would be on the morning. And I was raised in it. And I knew the prayers and I knew the hymns. And I knew the doctrine and the history. And those are good to know. But it isn't what you know, it's who you know. And there came the day when the God I knew about became the God I knew. And faith went from objective things to believe into subjective trust in the God who fashioned the universe and sent his son to save us. Trust that says, though he kill me, I won't leave. That's the kind of faith he's talking about here. What kind of faith is that? Well, it's a foundational faith. Hebrews 11, verse one. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance. The word that's used there for assurance, if you have the old King James Version, it'll say faith is the substance of things hoped for. Some of your versions might say that. It's talking about something which is rooted, something which gives foundation. You heard what Zuby, the rapper, said. Civilization falls apart when it's simply without the necessary foundations for the structures of morality. It becomes a vacuum. Years ago, I heard Francis Schaeffer describe contemporary civilization as a community of people with their feet firmly planted in midair. Faith is the substance, it's the foundation, it is the assurance. And the word that he uses was used for a title deed on a property you couldn't see. So let's say you bought a piece of land in another country. You hadn't visited it, or perhaps you inherited it. You decided to buy a French chateau and move over there. You told your friends, I bought a French chateau. We're gonna go over there and remodel it and have our own YouTube channel and everybody can watch us remodel. People do that stuff. It's kind of entertaining. And so you buy, you say to your friends, I got this French chateau. They go, well, have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Are you going? I know I'm gonna go there, but I haven't been there yet, but I got online and I, I bought it. Well, how do you know you got it? Well, the money left the bank and... I got this title deed. That's the word that the writer of Hebrews uses. Faith is the title deed to what I can't see yet. This is how I know I have what will be mine, not because I can see it and taste it and touch it and walk around on it, but because I've got this. This is my title deed. It was used of pylons 
that were sunk down close to the shore. You know, if you buy a house near the ocean here in Florida, let us pray about that HOA. Um, <laughs> but if you do, it will not have a regular foundation. The closer you build to the ocean, the deeper they're going to sink the piers and the pylons that will support the foundation of the house. It's not the foundation. The foundation rests on the pylons and the piers, which are sunk the closer you get to the ocean. In some cases, 16 feet down into the ground. That's the word that is used here in the book of Hebrews. Faith is the sunk pier. It's the pylon on which everything rests. You take away this. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, the wise man builds his house on the on the rock, but the foolish man, he builds his house on the beach with no pylons and no ocean restraining wall. He doesn't sink it down deep and when the wind blows and the storm comes and beats against that house, because listen to me brothers and sisters, the storm is coming. Jesus didn't say if the storm comes, he said when the storm comes. The foolish man's house that's built on the sand crumbles and falls with the weight of the wind because it was not founded on the rock. What's the rock? Jesus said, he who hears my word, there's your foundation, and does it, is wise. Faith is foundational. Faith is a gift. Verse two, by it, the people of old received their commendation. All these people we're going to read about in chapter 11, Abraham and Sarah and Noah, Enoch and Abel. Abel was murdered. He died. Enoch, he never died. He was, he was walking with God one day. They were out having a quiet time. He was just walking with God. And God said to him, hey, my house is closer than yours. Why don't we just go on to mine? And Enoch said, okay, let's go. He never died. Whether you live or you die, both men had to have what? Faith. How do you have that kind of faith? Faith to live and faith to die. Well, the Bible says this faith is a gift. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, the faith, is not from yourself. Faith is not produced within you. That not of yourselves, listen to what he says, it is the gift of God. The faith itself to believe is a gift. If you're a believer today, God gave you a gift. Well, how, do you, how does that gift come to you? How's, what's the wrapping? How do I know this faith is from God? Well, listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10. He said, faith comes, comes faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I've had conversations with a lot of you over the last few years, and you, I'm gonna tell you a story a lot of you have told me. I heard it again yesterday over lunch. Some of you sat in, sat in services here. If you're new here, you gotta rejoice. Let me tell you, so if you're new here with you, you're joining a bunch of people who got saved by grace, a whole bunch, the sin in this room is incredible. And um, I just want you to know, if you showed up with a lot of sin today, you are just in the right place, let me tell you. You have come to the right church. 
Because here's what I've been told over and over again. Bunch of you who've been here 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you came to church and David was preaching or Tommy was preaching. I hear this all the time. I came to this church. I came for, this guy said to me, I came for like 10 years. And David would always go, here's the, here's the bad news. Because there is bad news. The wages of sin is death. And then David would say, here's the good news, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. You gotta put your trust in Jesus. He said the same thing every week. And he would start and I would just go, oh, well, here we go. Same old message again and again. Bad news and the good news. Well, she came up with something new. And then one day, one day he said it and it, he did this while we're sitting there. It hit me. And I said, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. I've been sitting here all this time. And then faith came. You hear it and you hear it and you hear it. People don't believe the very first time they hear something. They hear it and they hear it and they hear it. And then a day comes when the Holy Spirit germinates the seed of the gospel in a soul and it comes alive and Jesus steps off the pages of the Bible and he becomes believable and beautiful. He's not a figure in history. He's your Lord. He's your savior. The God you knew of becomes the God you know and you learn to love him. Faith is a gift and it comes by the word. Faith is a lens. Faith is a lens. Look at verse three. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Faith is a lens. <laughs> this, this last week, I came to work. This has only happened this one time. I came this last week and I left my glasses at home. I left them. And I thought, well, you know, I'm searching around. They're in my backpack, in my pocket. They're, I left them on the, no, didn't have them. And so, so I got no glasses and I'm like, I'm just gonna tough on through this. I, I can get through, I, I can do the work. Yeah, no, no. Like first set of emails and I'm like, this is not gonna happen. I'm gonna have to go home and get my glasses. And you say, pastor, you should not even have been driving without those. Cause I mean, I did. I look like Mr. Magoo there going down St. Andrews, you know. Historical reference for many, I know, but there you go. Cartoon from the mid 20th century. Anyway, never mind. I, I, I came to Jesus right after the Civil War. Many people don't know. Anyway, okay. So I, if I got home, I got, I got my glasses and I got to work and I put them on and I go, oh, now I can do, I can, now I see. Now I said, now I got it. Listen, by faith, we understand what the world is. In his book, Unbelievable, Why After 10 Years of Talking with Atheists, I'm Still a Christian, Justin Brierley wrote, in the end, faith is not merely about belief, it's about learning to trust the God we cannot see to make sense of the world we can. And look, any biologist can tell you why The tree produces oxygen. He can, tell you about, he can tell you about photosynthesis. She can explain to you how that tree lives and thrives in this particular ecosystem. But only through the lens of faith can you see why the tree is there and what it's saying that the tree speaks 
that all the trees of the field clap their hands. Only by putting on the lens of faith can you hear and see what Paul meant when he wrote, quoting Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And Jesus hung there on a cross, on a tree, on Calvary. Because faith, this lens of faith, helps us understand that when they drove those nails into his hands and his feet so that he bore our sins and carried them away, the nail print they left spelled your name and said, you're mine. That's someone you can trust. Faith, you see, friends, takes in the world and points us to Jesus. Faith ultimately is in Jesus. Those nail prints mean you can trust him. Who do you trust today? Oh, trust is difficult. How do you know who to trust? You trusting? Who you all oh, people are going to watch so many football games today, and all of those football games they're going to have commercials for they're going to have commercials for pizza, and they're going to have commercials for beer, and they have commercials for all kinds of stuff, including here's these drugs you need to take. Have you listened to these commercials? Take our drugs. You can you can trust us. Those commercials those commercials have 15 seconds of this drug this drug will make you well, and then three minutes of and here are the side effects. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to get really sick and die. But trust us and take our drugs. But Jesus died. So you could trust him and live. And you may wish today you had a faith that was stronger. But friends, let me remind you, the thing that makes you a Christian and keeps you a Christian is not the strength of your faith, but the unchanging power of the Savior who shed his blood for you. Our faith will go all over the place. It will go up and down. He never changes. That's why you don't have faith in your faith. You have faith in Christ. Put your faith in Jesus. Let's stand together. Would you pray with me? Lord, teach us what it means to fix our eyes on you. Therefore, surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen.